see the morning in carry or Killarney When the dew is on the hayrick and every drop of pearl When the geese are full of barney and the thrushes sing gaily And standing in the doorway is a pretty Irish girl Her eyes so sparkling full of fun No other, no other can match the likes of her She is my dear, my darling one My smile and Andy and one I love the ground she walks upon My pretty Irish girl Welcome everyone to another episode of the Medfield College Film Society I'm Jeff Crawford and I am here with my society members We'll start up in the highlands Our southern highlands of North Carolina Mr. Andy Brown, how's it going tonight? Hearty, 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 hearty. God bless all here except the cat. I be doing well, Jeff Crawford. I will be doing the tartar dance for some good tartar sauce to go with our calabash seafood here in North Carolina. In the, in, in the tar, tar, tar Hill State. In the, in the Tartar Hills. Oh, down in sunny Florida, we throw it to Michael Crawford. How's it going, Michael? Oh, I'm fine. Uh, just looking for me pot of gold, uh, trying to avoid getting kicked into a well by any demon animals that might be around. Yeah, uh, it's, it's going good. All right, excellent. And we will go to the Queen City of Charlotte, North Carolina, for Mr. Robert McSwain. Robert McSwain, how's it going? Uh, as a proud Scotsman, uh, I'm doing all right. I have a banshee chasing me around the house right now. Um, Probably Scots Irish though, right? I think I'm pretty pretty straight up. Are you just claiming it? Yeah. Full on, <laughs> just claiming it. Yeah, the the Mac Queens and the and the Robertsons. Well, you know, uh, Scots are welcome here, as we will find out. Uh, turns out, Michael, what are we watching? Well, Musha Musha, we're watching the 1959 <laughs> Disney classic. Darby O'Gill and the Little People, directed by one Robert Stevenson in his probably billionth appearance on this program. Uh, this was his <laughs> first major film for Disney. Wow. Yeah. Going to do many, 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 many more. Uh, written by Mr. Lawrence E. Watkin, uh, who had written uh, things for Disney already, uh, it, based on the Darby O'Gill stories by H.T. Kavanaugh. <laughs> Uh, starring Albert Sharp as Darby. We've got Janet Monroe, uh, previously seen in the family Robinson Swiss, as Katie, his daughter. This was uh, the first of three Disney films that she would make. Uh, we've got Sean Connery, young Sean Connery on loan from Fox, as Mr. Michael McBride, a Dublin man. <laughs> got Jimmy O'Day as King Brian, and uh, among the supporting cast, we've got Estelle Winwood as Sheila. Estelle Winwood commemorated in Mystery Science Theater when Crow T. Robot had a crush on her and uh, <laughs> sang a song about how she was cute, Rudy Toot Toot, Betty smelled like yes. Jesus. Yeah, yes. That's awesome. <laughs> uh, we've got all the Disney heavy hitters out for this one. Uh, we've got Carol Clark on art direction. We've got Photo effects. We got Peter Ellenshaw mats all over the place. Oh, yeah. Uh, got Eustace Lice set on effects, animation effects by Joshua Meter. These are people we see over and over again. 
uh, music by old Oliver Wallace, songs by Oliver Wallace and Lawrence Watkin. Jeff, uh, what do you think about uh, this Oliver Wallace business? The old guard, man. Oliver Wallace is the 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 OG, and uh, he he brings it. He brings it hard. He's got some uh, some Sherman quality to it. You know, yeah. it's a, it's a, he's uh, doing it. Some memorable ditties. Um, we also have another goat, Emil Curie. You know, yes. Don't forget Emil. Yeah, I mean the credits are really it's 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 the A-listers all the way down. Walt was kind of obsessed with this movie. Uh, he had wanted to do the Darby stories by at least the mid 1940s, maybe earlier. He was gunning for these stories. In 1946, he sent artists from the studio to Ireland to do research. Uh, in 1947, he hired Lawrence Watkin to write the script. And Walt went to Ireland himself in 1948. Uh, he announced the film, which was going to be called The Little People. Uh, he said it would be made soon, which uh, took another decade because, you know, stuff kept popping up and the film kept kind of getting pushed back by more immediate demands. But he finally got it made. Uh, the film was shot entirely in California on the Disney backlot and on film ranches. But, uh, you know, those matte paintings really made it look like Ireland. And uh, I, I should mention to promote the movie, Walt shot a, a 1959 episode of Walt Disney Presents for TV called I Captured the King of the Leprechauns, <laughs> which is kind of like a making of episode with, um, but like totally like fake. Uh, but uh, it's it tells uh, Walt getting in a conversation with uh, Pat O'Brien, who is a famous actor. And Pat O'Brien, like, urges Walt to go visit Ireland and do a movie about leprechauns. So the show's about Walt going to, like, track down King Brian and, like, negotiate with him to do this movie. And so we even see that in the credits for the movie where it's like, you know, special thanks to King Brian of the Leprechauns from Walt <laughs> Disney for his participation in this movie. Right. And that that special, apropos of nothing, was supposed to go on Disney+. Plus. Very early on, they announced yeah. it, and it never showed up. That's yeah, they about. they had announced it, and it uh, didn't appear. So I don't know what that was about. I was shocked that it was announced, and then uh, it never showed up. But yeah, this movie has all the fingerprints of Walt on it. It just seems like something he would be like, "Yeah, we've got to do this thing." There's just a lot of like gags that happen that I'm like, "Yeah, this is like Walt's <laughs> style," you know. <laughs> The old world setting and all that, and a lot of the uh, general uh, gag opportunities are very Walt. Yeah, I pictured him a lot, like slapping his knee in the screening yes. room at like Darby's like antics. Like, yes. oh, that old so and so, haha. And uh, yeah, I mean, you mentioned these A listers. Uh, a lot of them were cutting their teeth. I mean, he's building his stable of live action um, mm -hmm. here. It's just a lot of great, great people. Well, you know, as as they always say, you know, every man is sociable until a cow invades his garden, <laughs> and, and that's just one of the many Irish sayings and proverbs that I'm going to drop on you guys as we go through this episode. Naturally, naturally. <laughs> well, so yeah. Andy, I mean, had had you seen this movie before? Oh no, I have not. <laughs> <laughs> I'm particularly interested for your non-spoiler reaction to this one. Well, you know, I thought going into this, it was going to be kind of like um, uh, Wizard of Oz in the, like, you just having little people everywhere. 
And I was kind of pleasantly surprised that it wasn't that in a way. Uh, uh, it was, it had a, had a charm to it for sure that uh, I think that kind of kept me around. I think that between that and just watching Sean Connery do his thing, a young Sean Connery. Um, young Sean Connery. There were times when I'm, I thought this is absolute nonsense. Why am I sitting here wasting my time watching this? <laughs> but then they, uh, then again though, that little charm just kind of kept me around and kept. One, I wanted to see how it ended. Um, and I think, and honestly, I think the visual effects were very well done. Yeah, uh, for that time period. So, uh, so yeah, it, uh, it it ended up not being as bad as I thought it was going to be, but I still didn't care for it. <laughs> Well, the, yeah, the, or as they say, uh, may the cat eat you and may the devil eat the cat. <laughs> yes, uh, they do say that. Um, <laughs> uh, we'll get into more of this later, but yeah, it's, it's, it, it really is a masterclass on, on forced perspective. And yeah, it really is. Oh my gosh. Yes, absolutely. Uh, Michael, this wasn't one that, you know, we, we have extensive, uh, Disney childhood experience, but this was not. On regular rotation for us, but uh, a couple of scenes burned into our ever-loving memory. Yeah, I don't think I even saw it in its entirety until I was an adult. Uh, I had seen the the scenes that we will talk about that are burned into the brain. And uh, I knew Pretty Irish Girl from that CD compilation that you yes, had, of, yes. uh, which is a great CD comp of uh, Disney movie tracks. But I don't think I'd ever seen it all the way through until uh, I, I was grown up. So, yeah, it was not in rotation. Right. I don't remember where I saw it. I, I kept racking my brain, and I think we ruined it. Um, but there is – I had blocked scenes out of my memory. But when <laughs> I saw them, it, it all came pouring back to me. And, 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 and it It's weird vividly. because uh, – yeah, I mean, we'll talk about this once it's over, but it's kind of a slow burn up until it gets to a certain yes. point, and yes. then it's and it's like totally manic. So I see, like as a kid, it would be kind of hard to get into, right? Because right. it is kind of talky up to a point where it goes like. Well, it was hard does. for me to get into as a forty, you know, forty-two year old here. <laughs> yeah, but, uh, yeah, but it was like a car crash. It was like I couldn't look away. I was like, I just kind of had to keep my eyes on it, and see what was going on. <laughs> And it's like super duper genteel, and then it goes nuts. Yeah, I'm I'm kind of a sucker for uh, for these Disney, you know, period dramas or whatever from this time period. But this one was, and they're all they all can be slow. Uh, this one particularly so at the beginning. But uh, let's get into it, uh, Michael. Will you take us to the old country and go into the world of Darby O'Gill and the Little People? Yes, absolutely.
Let me grab my shillelagh, and uh, we'll start off with a very nice Buena Vista Presents title card in nice Celtic lettering. Timpanies. Yeah. <laughs> Banging away. Uh, very nice. We also get, as I mentioned, Walt's special thank you card to King Brian, which I quite enjoy. We open in a nice Irish village where Estelle Winwood, previously mentioned as old Sheila, she's creeping around. There's she a lot of creeping. She of creeping. creeps throughout the movie. She's creeping. She's very uh, hands-on. She likes touching yeah. things. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And she looks like a creeper. I mean, yeah. Oh, yeah. Great yeah. look. <laughs> like, at some point, she's actually mentioned, she's like, oh, do you think I'm a witch? And I'm like, yeah, kind yeah. of. <laughs> yeah. I'd, I'd say it's a good chance. <laughs> like, I thought we were kind of going in that direction at one point. That's uh, what I thought. Yeah. I kept waiting for it. But no, she's just a creepy, creepy mortal lady. Uh, she's out looking for a pinch of tea. And uh, she hits up Janet Monroe's Katie, who's happy to oblige. Old Sheila goes, Old Sheila apparently is a uh, frequent uh, borrower of things, uh, as we come to learn. Uh, but, uh, you know, they're having a conversation. Uh, Janet Monroe gets her a tea and is kind of, I guess she's churning butter. Uh, but Sheila gets to the point fast, starts ragging on Katie about how she needs to get a man. Katie, yeah, uh, alas, lost the market by waiting too long. I know. <laughs> yeah, I had that too. Uh, lost their market. Uh, as she's saying, you know, uh, she's going to get old. Nobody's going to be interested. Apparently, all the guys in town, according to Sheila, are super thirsty for Katie. But they're afraid to come <laughs> after her because she lives in this fancy house. And her dad is well situated. Turns out her dad has a hookup with a local lord. Uh, her dad is uh, Darby O'Gill. He's the caretaker for the estate, the lord's estate. And uh, so they are set up in this gatehouse, which is the fanciest house around, apparently, outside the estate. Uh, Sheila has a son named Tony, who's as proud as a whitewashed pig, apparently. Yes. Uh, he is, uh, according to her, the catch of the town, and even he won't raise his eyes to Katie. Everybody's intimidated by Katie. Uh, Sheila's kind of creeping around the house, touching everything, and talking about how Katie's dad's getting old and how it's uh, just going to be too late. I to think find his name is Pony, by the way. Yeah, I was going to say, I thought I, I'd had it as Pony. Is it Pony? It's yes. Pony with a P. Yeah. 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 Oh, I thought it was Pony. Well, I thought it was, Which uh, would make more sense. I thought it was Polly when I first heard it. So, Polly, 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 oh, Polly, my boy, Polly. Uh, all right, Pony. So it is. I, I just looked I it up. It is. That it, up. Is, I, it is Pony. <laughs> I can I, confirm. Uh, I was looking up too. I was like, oh, "Did I get it wrong?" Yeah. So. <laughs> no, I I just didn't look it up because I I didn't think his name would be Pony. <laughs> um, Especially for who he is. <laughs> yeah, he's not like a he's not a pony. Yeah, <laughs> uh, no, you know. All right. Well, am I red faced? Uh, can we talk about how this scene with Katie and Sheila? Katie's really weird throughout because she's doing, she's like staring almost at the camera, but just off to the side. It's like how <laughs> actors act when they're pretending to be blind. Did you notice this? I did yes. notice that that she was making some interesting choices with her her stage presence. It's like uh, the like, oh, SNL cue cards phenomenon. Yes, I wrote, I wrote down. What is she looking at? Yes, 
She's like gazing wistfully just to the side of the camera. Yeah, I don't, yeah. And like a lot of the shots are like straight onto her, but she's like looking off. Oh, it's, it's really weird. It's an odd choice. And then the overdubs with the, like the ADR with the with Sheila. That was pretty strange. Yeah. I couldn't tell if that was her voice or if that was what was going on there. Yeah. And I don't, you know, I wonder about, uh, this is something I was going to talk about later, but uh, due to the uh, box office reception of this movie, which was not uh, as much as Walt had hoped, a lot of people blamed it on the accents. They're like, oh, mm-hmm. Americans, the kids don't understand the accents. So when they reissued it, Walt like had it redubbed. Huh. So I don't know if the Disney Plus version is the redubbed version or the original version, but I noticed that like the ADR on uh, Sheila in particular was like way off. Right. Yeah. Up to the point where I thought there was a problem with my streaming. I was like, oh, something's odd about that. Anyway, uh, all this harassment <laughs> draws to a close when Lord Fitzpatrick shows up in his carriage and uh, James Bond himself is there driving the horses. Uh, the Lord is looking for Katie's father, and she says he's off having his scythe sharpened so he can do some yard work. He's going to mm. be cutting some weeds, apparently. At the smithy. And, yeah, down at the down at the village smithy. And uh, she just goes running off to find him. She's just booking it down the road. And, uh, you know, she leaves, and Fitzpatrick starts telling um, – Mr. Bond, how, you know, great, Katie's great. (laughs) Katie's great. Her dad, totally worthless. Uh, Apparently, says Fitzpatrick, Katie's dad quit five years ago, but just didn't bother to tell him. He's he's been slacking off around the the manor house. And uh, he assumes that her dad is off at the end, telling tales. Um, Sheila of course, has been eavesdropping, and uh, she kind of corners Fitzgerald to put in a good word for her son, Pony, as she is <laughs> trying to get Fitzgerald to replace Katie's dad, the titular Darby O'Gill. Uh, she's trying to get her to replace Darby with Pony. And uh, Fitzgerald really blows her off pretty hard, but she persists kind of selling legally. Pony hard, man. She's pushing the Pony. And uh, says, Pony has whipped every man in town and would mm. thus be a respected caretaker. What does that have to do with caretaking? He's <laughs> <laughs> not looking for a some, bouncer. He's looking for a caretaker. <laughs> some real family problems, you know. You're like my son. He's a real jerk. No one in town people likes up all the time. <laughs> His name is Pony. He wears yeah. a little derby hat all the time. <laughs> yeah. And he's beating up everyone in town. He looks like he's a character in a, you know, seventies western, maybe. Or yes, totally. <laughs> like the person in town most likely to have a garter on his sleeve. Yes, he's, and like a gold <laughs> tooth. It's a senior <laughs> superlative. Yeah, I, I read. I read he's the Gaston of of this movie. Oh, oh yes. totally. Yes. Well, he done. is straight Gaston. Absolutely. So anyway, yeah, and. Sheila narks says Darby's off in the pub telling stories and you know, pony would be the man, but Fitzgerald doesn't seem interested. Uh, sure enough, we cut down to Darby at the pub, got a pint at his side and a handful of cards and uh, he is wide eyed. He is telling a story about meeting some leprechauns and uh, he has a pretty, pretty uh, wrapped audience. They're, they're tuning into him, but he also has a heckler. 
Because Pony's there giving him the raz from the bar. Uh, Pony's, every time I say it, it's ridiculous. Jerk, man. Pony's down in whiskey and being sassy. And uh, the proprietor of the bar is a Darby fanboy and cuts off Pony. Says no more whiskey for Pony. Yeah, he's a real jerk. This is not a cool guy. Not at Didn't all. Didn't the uh, owner of the pub look like uh, who was the guy in charge on MASH? Oh, Colonel oh. Potter? Yeah, he looked like Potter. <laughs> yeah, he yeah, had he that uh, some sort of uh, going on, slick back white hair thing going on. Uh, yeah, at first I thought it was, and then I was like, okay, wait a second. His teeth are worse, much worse. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, well, I have I have the teeth. The teeth mentioned later, but I will just mention now. There's some bad, <laughs> bad dental practice going yeah. on in this village. <laughs> truly bad teeth. Uh, the actor for Darby, man, he is uh, truly his character. There's some real method acting going on here to the point I'm like, was he drinking during this? Perhaps. I'm not going to rule it out. Yeah. He is probably the most authentic actor in a role <laughs> of all time. Yeah. Uh, like, they just, it's like they brought him in and didn't tell him he was in a movie, just put cameras on him. <laughs> Or just like, right, didn't even tell him he wasn't in Ireland. <laughs> just put him on the set with these guys. Yeah, he is like leathery and whiskey yeah. riddled and just, uh, you know, the uh, the whole nine yards. He is he is an authentic product of. I feel like I met this guy on tour before. <laughs> but strangely enough, do you know that he's from California? I was about to say, uh, from Laguna. From, yeah. He was from Wee Britain. He's a surfer. <laughs> yeah. It's all that sun from the surf. Uh, anyway, uh, Darby's talking about King Brian of the Leprechauns, uh, giving us some Leprechaun ground rules, uh, kind of gremlin style. Turns out uh, Leprechauns can't escape a stare down as long as you don't look away. We cut away. We've got a misty flashback to a matte painting. Uh, Darby is tromping around Weathertop from Fellowship of the Ring, which <laughs> apparently is now infested with leprechauns rather than ring wraiths. And uh, he's up there in the mists. He's cornered King Brian in this flashback. He's demanding three wishes. And he's a smart guy. He's wary of Brian's tricks. He refuses his offer of snuff. <laughs> which uh, was uh, Brian's little trick, try and make him sneeze and break eye contact. And threat he threatens the king to have the parish priest, you know, the father, uh, curse him, which is apparently okay. something priests can do. And uh, Brian says, fine, Darby can have his wishes. And Darby starts philosophizing about what wishes to make. So his first wish is good health. So good for him. His second is a big crop of potatoes for some reason. Was anyone I mean, thrown off by that wish? A little uh, bit, yeah. Can this movie get expecting. any more Irish? That's all yeah. I mean. <laughs> It's like, I don't want the money it brings. I just love potatoes, you know? <laughs> it wants to come by to honest, kind of. <laughs> a big crop of potatoes. I thought that was kind of a wasted wish, because his third wish is for a crock of gold, oh, uh, yeah. which Brian instantly grants, gives him a big old pot of gold. And Darby is loving it. He is digging into this gold. Uh, but Brian asks him what his fourth wish is. Brian says he's feeling generous. Darby, Darby, to his credit, says he'll be generous too. He starts asking for crocs of gold for all his buddies in town. 
He's spreading it out. He's paying it forward. He's at the Starbucks paying for the car behind him. Uh, <laughs> turns out it was all a scam, though. Brian says, if you ask for a fourth wish, you lose all your previous three wishes, which I feel like Darby should have known. Oh, no. He seems to know so much. Yeah. That wow. wasn't in the brief, I guess. So Brian does this insane little jig. And uh, we dissolve back to Darby in the pub. All his buddies are sympathizing for him. They're thinking about what could have been. They could have all had their little pots of gold. But one of his buds says that Darby should stay away from the Leprechaun King, though, because he could put the come hither on him and make <laughs> Darby his slave forevermore. Mm -mm. This guy says Brian's 5,000 years old, learned a trick for every year. But Darby thinks he is more clever than Brian, and everyone has a good laugh, which reveals some truly horrific British dentistry, all yeah. this laughing that's oh, going God. on. <laughs> Real Willy Wonka moment. Um, I, I mean, we have to go back just to, again, say the effect of King Brian. It's just incredible. And that so scene, it just looks perfect. Yeah. I had like a, like a making of of this because... yeah. There, there were scenes where it's like, obviously, it couldn't be a process shot because it's too good. So it's got to be forced perspective. But I'm trying to figure out how they did it. Yeah, they showed how they did it. Actually, I found a, a making of where they interviewed Peter Ellenshaw about it. Oh, nice. And, uh, I mean, it was just, they had uh, King Brian like five feet from the camera. And they put Darby like 20 feet away uh, on a on a you know, and then built the set so that they could, when they, you know, put the camera in a certain spot, you know, they would mesh together. Yeah. And, uh, and then they had to, like, they had to figure out their, their, their look points was the yeah, hardest the, thing. Like they the had line to, of sight. Yeah, that and the lighting. They said the, trying to get the lighting perfect on both, uh, sets. Um, I would imagine you'd have to have massive light because if you're trying to keep it both planes in focus, yeah, like that deep focus. You would have to have be throwing so much light on it. it well, there's crazy. another scene coming up, and I'll, I'll tell this this quick story that uh, they had to have enormous lighting so much that they blew a few, uh, a, a blackout of Burbank because they were <laughs> they were pumping so much light into the studio. Wow! So the the Burbank went 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 down. <laughs> the grid went down in Burbank because of it. <laughs> uh, because of that, yeah, for that very reason. Um, yeah, it's crazy to me. I mean, so many of these tricks are tricks that Peter Jackson used in Lord of the Rings with the Force perspective, and I'd love to hear, you know, if if this was an inspiration to him, uh, him being kind of a nerd as he. Well, is. they mentioned that, yeah, they mentioned Surely. the Jackson. The Jackson used it a lot. That Spielberg was a big, big fan of this movie because of that. He'd used it a lot. Um, they use it in uh, Flight of the Navigator a lot. There was, oh, there was okay. several several big scenes where they had the uh, the spaceship come out. That the spaceship was really only about the size of a football, and then they were do, doing forced perspective with that. Like when it comes oh, out yeah. of the hangar, um, and uh, and uh, gosh, the director's name it just left my my head. Kleiser. Uh, Randall Kleiser. Yeah, yeah, Randall. Yeah, he was saying that that was like this is one of his favorite movies because of the, really? because he loves to watch it because of the uh, all the special effects, but and that he lifted a lot of them when he did. Uh, Flight of the Navigator and gave Peter Ellenshaw, like he said, that he's the, the genius of, of force perspective, but he gave him the credit. He's the man. That's wild. And Ellenshaw yeah, was like, so. Yeah, I talk about how you spoiled Disney Rotten. Like, he would, like, Disney was like, I want to do all this. He's like, Yeah, don't worry about it. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Just and, say uh, yes and then figure out later how you're going to do it. 
Uh, yeah, as Andy, you know, Andy mentioned, uh, Father Murphy's been name dropped a lot through this. Uh, Father Murphy's going to do this. He's going to do that. Uh, then Father Murphy pops up. He's been lurking in the corner, Strider style. <laughs> uh, everybody looks uh, <laughs> looks a little sheepish when the father pops up. But the father, he's a cool guy. He's he's like you guys are cool with me. Says that one of his priest buddies is sending him a used bell. His, his buddy got a better bell, so he's sending his old bell to uh, their parish. But he needs someone to go pick it up, bring it to town. Pony, being a jerk, tries to haggle the priest for a delivery fee. Yeah, God. The priest is like, I'll give you, you know, two pounds. He's like, I don't think it's probably worth extra 10 pence. He's really, like, sticking it to him for these 10 pence, which is not a great look. No. Like, you're down the pub, you're... uh turning the screws on the priest for uh, a dime, a dime. (laughs) Father gives the crowd a guilt trip. He's trying to get Darby to volunteer. He's, you know, since he used the church as a bargaining chip to intimidate a leprechaun, he's like, oh, you know, you're dealing with the forces of evil and uh, you're not going to go pick up my bail. So Darby finally says, he'll go, he'll do it for nothing. But the father says, no, Darby, you will get a reward. The music of the bell, mm. which I mean, Father, just let him do it for free. That's a jerk move. Yeah, <laughs> like, gets, no, 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 no. You're gonna get some. You're gonna get the music of the bell, bro. He gets pretty heavy handed there towards the end. So yeah, he for- says, uh, "Darby's seed, breed, and generation until the end of time will mm. enjoy this bell music," mm. which seems like almost <laughs> a curse. Like all your children at the end of the time will hear this bell in there. Sounds head. like the beginning of a franchise. <laughs> the bell saga. I kept thinking, I was like, man, this bell's gonna come back and be like super important. No, it's not. Nope. I was like, I, I thought, thought the bell the was like gonna save thing. him in the end yeah. or something. No. Yep. No. Seed, breed, and generation. Anyway, Katie comes busting in the door, uh, drags Darby off to see the Lord Fitzpatrick. They go up back up to the estate, which is kind of overgrown. Fitzpatrick is lamenting how bad Darby is doing, taking care of the place. The weeds are higher than the summer house. Come on, Darby. Uh, Connery points out someone's been poaching rabbits, too. And Fitzpatrick says Darby probably helped out. Uh, Darby shows up in uh, kind of suck-up mode, like, oh, your lordship. Oh, Good to see you. And the Lord introduces Connery. He says he's Michael McBride, a Dublin man. <laughs> says that he is bringing in Michael uh, in Darby's place. Says Darby served him well, but he needs a younger man there. Uh, he's going to retire Darby on half pay. He's going to give him a cottage for the rest of his days. And uh, Darby's kind of sour. He, he, you know, he's going to miss the gatehouse where he and Katie live. Uh, says he's being cut down in his prime. The Lord, <laughs> the Lord sort of sticks it to him for being a slacker and for uh, poaching the rabbits. And Darby's like, no, no, no. I was just trying to catch foxes. It was an accident. Fitzpatrick says, nope, you're gone. Says Darby can have two weeks in the house. Bride says, you know, Darby, he can have it longer than that as far as he's concerned. He's not, he can stay at the end. It's no big deal to him. Lord says fine, but when he's back in two weeks, he wants Darby out of the job, wants Michael in. Ultimatum. Stuck. Stuck, yeah. 
So the Lord leaves. Darby and Michael are having a little chat. Darby says, it's a shame to put the Lord to the expense of putting Michael up in the pub when there's a room in the house with him and Katie. So it's kind of, you know, stay with us. Darby introduces Michael and Katie and their instant heart eyes, which Darby, I think, was that was his agenda. He seems to have been hoping for that. Mm-hmm. Two handsome creatures. And uh, they have their little meeting. Uh, we go back down to the pub. Pony's sneaking drinks, as Pony do. Uh, <laughs> Sheila shows up to drag him out into the street so the Lord can see him. Her hope is the Lord will make Pony the caretaker and that Katie will marry him because he has the big important job. Pony says, what's the big deal? Once he's set up, all the ladies will be throwing themselves at him. It is Gaston. It's totally Gaston. You're so right yep. about that. Anyway. Oh, that's nailing it. Yeah. Uh, uh, Sheila convinces him that, you know, Katie might help him get the job in the first place. And he agrees. He's like, all right, we'll pose for the Lord as he comes riding by, <laughs> which he does. The Lord just stops and comments on how big Pony is. Like, <laughs> he's a big that. boy. He's really and big. <laughs> really big. And drives off. <laughs> I did like the brush off. It was really nice. The yeah, brush off, but Sheila's really excited. She thinks this is like great. She's like, oh, man, he saw how big you were. <laughs> <laughs> did say you were big. I did as advertised. Big fella. Uh, back at Darby's house, he and Michael are returning from their work. They've been off doing some sod work. Uh, he explains Michael's presence to Katie by saying that uh, Michael's there to help Darby out in his job. He needs a helper. He works so hard. And uh, so Darby picks up a fiddle while Katie cooks, and he kind of goes to town while Michael's watching. Uh, Darby says he got the tune from the leprechauns who he saw dancing around in the moonlight back on Weathertop. And uh, Michael kind of plays along like, oh, yeah, those leprechauns. Uh, Katie doesn't like this. She gives him stink eye for being Mm -hmm. kind of uh, sarcastic. Just barely sarcastic. Uh, But he gets stink eye nonetheless. They sit down to dinner and uh, Darby's going on talking about his close encounter with King Brian. Says, you know, it was all right. He didn't get that gold then, but maybe he needs it now. Wink, wink. So uh, it's nighttime, Darby and Michael. They're going off to find uh, Darby's horse because he's got to go pick up the bell the next day. And apparently, you know, uh, stables aren't a thing that they have in <laughs> Darby town. Uh, the horse just kind of gets to wander wherever. Uh, Michael's says he's going to go to the inn, get a room, because he feels like he's taking hospitality from Katie under false pretenses. He doesn't like lying to her. But Darby says, no, no, no. Darby will tell her about the switch when uh, the time comes. Says Katie grew up in the gatehouse. She'll be really upset by the news. He can't just drop it on her. He's got to, like, wait for the time is right. So Michael doesn't like this, but he goes along with it. So they say goodbye, and Darby heads off in the dark to find his horse, which he finds the horse... Cleopatra, but she bolts and uh, he winds up back on Weathertop looking for her. And uh, the horse is uh, standing at a well that lights up with a golden glow. Which I like the horse's face is like, ooh. The horse is like kind of surprised. I like when Darby gets mad at the horse. He's like, devil take ya. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> There's some good like muttering in this scene from uh, Darby muttering at the horse. Cleopatra. Uh, when Darby shows up, though, things go bananas. Uh, 
out of nowhere, the horse goes like psychedelic process shot. Big time. Uh, turning into like demon horse. I didn't understand why. <laughs> I know. It's not explained. Uh, Shades but, uh, of the uh, super in pose feature we used to have on the uh, Sony Handycam, Michael. <laughs> That's true. All right. That yeah, is true. That. The high contrast color overlay. <laughs> That is totally what it was. Uh, it's yeah. trippy, man. Yeah, it's a sort of magical mystery tour horse. That, well, and, so that's uh, my point. It, it reminds, this is the first scene of several that made me be like, I wonder if this became like, you know, uh, a movie in the late 60s that people would trip to, you know, like, let's watch Derby of Gill, man. Let's just get the out Gil there. heads. <laughs> Blow your mind, Gil man. Heads. <laughs> It's going to mess you up, man. You see that horse. That's just the beginning, man. <laughs> the horse is going to blow your mind. Uh, the horse blows Darby's mind because it rears up and kicks him down a well. <laughs> Which, uh, demon horse going to demon horse, man. I guess. Uh, we find Darby at the bottom of the well unconscious uh, in sort of... <laughs> spinal injury pose and a couple of leprechauns just sort of local bumpkins sort of amble out give them the once over like what's yeah, he doing here that's darby o'gill yep they are not impressed and wonder why their king put the come hither on him so the, the come hither has been placed on darby and so they you know they kind of kick the tires and wander around and decide to see if he's dead or not. And then out of nowhere, do this crazy wire work leaping uh, onto his chest to, uh, to see if he's alive. And it does in fact, wake him up. Uh, wire work guys. Yeah, it was, uh, I was getting a little bit of the um, absent-minded professor basketball scene. Oh yeah. Feel. Yeah. Totally. Just before yeah. or after that movie. Uh, this would have been before, yeah. Okay. Uh, he uh, Darby tries to whack him. He's got his walking stick, but they enchant it with little lightning, and it goes. It kind of goes to town, whacking him on the head, his own <laughs> stick. So we got a bit of whimsy. They say they're there to take Darby to the king, so they make their way to the Leprechaun Rumpus Room, where a party is underway. This it place is, looks so cool. It looks like yeah. concept art come to life. It's just great. Well, they were showing yeah, totally. like the, the before and after with the map painting in the doc, in the little mini documentary I found. And uh, so that, yeah, he walks in like, oh, that's just stage lighting. I was and about to able, say, is it just like an empty room with a chair? And that's it. With all like the flooring is there. And then about, that's about it. And everything else was matte. So, and, and they used the mat to cover up the, the all the stage lights. Like it was just... I mean, they had just hundreds of them light up the room. It and would have had to have been a big soundstage because these are a lot of leprechauns. Yes. Yes. A lot of leprechauns, like hundreds of leprechauns. Uh, it is Matt Painting City. We've got this big old throne room. There are a ton of leprechauns. They're dancing around to pipe music. Uh, King Brian is up on his massive throne. He's got his pipes and he is blowing. And uh, Darby walks down amongst them. He's checking out their like trove of treasures. They're like human size treasures 
amidst all the leprechaun sized leprechauns. It's very so effective. It's really This was good. a crazy, crazy effect here that I got to talk about. Mm -hmm. Like the way they did that shot was they used a mirror. So they shot the camera into a mirror that reflected back towards the leprechauns. And then they had Darby stand behind the mirror and they etched out the mirror around about where he was, he, he would be walking. So then he would be walking towards the camera behind the mirror and then the leprechauns and the mirror was at an angle. What? So they could, so the, the force, but then he would walk by, you know, walk towards them. And, uh, and it was, yeah, it was crazy how they did that. And then the whole shot when he's walking by the leprechauns, you see him on the, you know, at his feet and, and the camera's kind of looking down on him. He's up on a, on a, um, like a catwalk and they painted the catwalk to match the floor of the, of the soundstage. So all the, the leprechauns are on the floor and then they had people standing up there with him. They had little, little dolls that, that would, you know, that were in front of the, like in front of him that were turning and watching him go by, you know, with their backs towards the cameras. So there would be that, 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 that perspective. So there, it wouldn't look like they were all on one side of the, of the camera. They were, you know, they had them on both sides of him. But those death. were all fake little, and if you look closer, you can see them. The way they they turn, they're real stiff. But they showed like the, the the shot of them doing it, and they had like these all these like uh, PA sitting there with these little little hand puppets, you know, lying there on the floor, turning them as he walked by. <laughs> That's amazing! <laughs> wow. But they were talking about how the other they said that all the, those little details, like that, like with the puppets, uh, that made you know that gave it even more sense of uh, of depth. And, uh, and, 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 and like reinforce the illusion, but yeah, yeah. They, they said that, 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 that whole shot took forever. They spent weeks, weeks shooting these shots. I mean, there were so many times in this movie where I'm like, oh, I'm going to try and figure out how they did this. And eventually I just gave up. Cause like, I have no idea. And like now it's just, oh, well, computers did it, but nope. <laughs> the mirror thing, that's what blew my mind. The mirror shot, how they did the mirror shot. So, yeah. Yeah. I have That's to go so back. Cool. I, I'll I'll post this to Twitter that that little mini documentary for for everyone to watch. Um, but yeah, it's it's pretty. And like I said, and Peter Ellenshaw is interviewed prominently throughout it. That's he's really cool. Yeah, so. I look forward to that. Uh, well, you know, Darby Darby's here in the throne room. Uh, King Brian puts down his pipes to welcome him. Nah. Lots of effect shots everywhere. Darby and the king greet each other kindly. They're old buddies. King tells Darby to have a seat. Darby takes a moment to gape at the jewels sitting in the trunk. He's impressed. Uh, they spend some time just kind of going over all the swag Brian has sitting around. He's got some prominent items from history. He's got a cannon from the Spanish Armada. He's got a sword and from some dude, and he's got this and that, all sorts of stuff. And, uh, eventually gets around to the fact uh, Brian points out, uh, you know, this is great, but Darby, you can never go home. Since once he's there, there's no going back. Darby unhappy. He's really mad. Says he, he's been Brian's hype man this whole time. He's been telling everybody about leprechauns says, uh, he's been telling people leprechaun lore. So they don't throw their dirty dishwater on invisible leprechauns. And, uh, <laughs> How they, how the many ways he's helped out the leprechaun community. But then Brian puts the come hither on him, which is as cold as a wet Christmas. Yes. Burn. 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 Uh, leprechauns <laughs> don't like this. They start cussing him out in Gaelic, which Darby's like, oh, I speak Gaelic. So, nah. Uh, 
<laughs> Brian says that the, the whole reason he's put the come hither on him says one of his little informants was out and about said overheard the Lord giving Darby the boot earlier that day says he thought he'd save Darby by giving him a place to stay. Now that he's unemployed, uh, he'd hook him up, have him come over, hang out, play in the treasure, do whatever. So there's nothing but fun and diversion here in Leprechaun land. Says Darby can leave all of the woes of the world behind. Darby's like, yeah, but I have a daughter and no. But Darby kind of plays along. Uh, the king says, uh, Darby, yeah, you know, get started. You should play some harp. That's a good way to start leprechauning. But Darby says, no, nah, I don't play the harp. Says, uh, I should have my fiddle. He, he tries to trick Brian in letting him go get his fiddle. He's like, I'll just go home and get it, and I'll be right back. But Brian <laughs> is like, hmm, no. Uh, and sends, uh, instead he sends one of his boys to set Darby up with a Stradivarius, uh, which yeah, they have truly. kicking around. Yeah. Uh, he got it as a gift from the emperor of the Italian fairies. <laughs> <laughs> Makes sense. Sure. That guy, you know, that guy, I want a movie about that guy. Uh, Darby's like, oh, all right, well, this is great. I've, I've always heard there are three things the little people were mad about uh, dancing whiskey and hunting and brian's like yeah that's that's you know that about covers it we love them so uh, darby's like i'm gonna play you a song called the fox chase which is about a fox chase and so they're like oh that sounds awesome so uh he starts playing the fiddle uh, not entirely convincingly but they they cut quick so it doesn't really matter yeah uh, all the leprechauns they start prancing they are prancing and prancing. <laughs> and uh, Darby just kind of slowly ramping up the pace on the fiddle. Uh, the tune gets faster and faster and faster. Everybody's dancing at a crazy pace. Uh, dudes are flying through the air. Uh, they're, they're doing flips over that cannon. Uh, Brian, is he is jigging to beat the band. He is doing his little steps. Eventually, Brian does an amazing backflip off of his chair. So good. And uh, he gets a, a like a real horn-sized horn, a human-sized <laughs> horn, uh, blows it. This sends all the leprechauns <laughs> running out of the room. Yeah, what is what? to get? Oh, well, yeah. What's going on all, here? The, all their instruments, including the, the bagpipes, were all human-sized. Why couldn't they have gotten leprechaun-sized? I know. I think they're getting leprechaun-sized everything else. More convenient. gifts. <laughs> yeah, I don't know how they played that human-sized harp, but uh, or the especially the Stradivarius. But anyway, he blows this horn. They all go running off, come back on horses, uh, leprechaun-sized <laughs> horses. Oh, no, that's what I thought. I was like, where'd they get the little horses from? <laughs> <Yeah>, exactly. <laughs> and why? <laughs> uh, suddenly, there Getting are turned. a ton of leprechauns <laughs> on horses. They are riding around and around, and Darby is laughing maniacally. Um, really demented laughing. Uh, the leprechauns are loving it. They are just, just speeding around in circles and finally get so wound up that Brian opens up the stadium roof on the leprechaun lair and they just all go <laughs> off riding into the night. There was a cool shot of the, uh, the horses running around the full-sized horse, which I really loved. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Another amazing force perspective moment. Cleopatra's yeah. like, huh? 
Yeah. Well, yeah. Sure are little. <laughs> well, y'all you see that every day. Yeah, Look at right. that horse. That is a little horse. It's got a hey, man, check out that horse there. That thing is huge. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Cleopatra has a lot of look takes in this movie. I yeah. Guess. Yeah. Truly. It's probably the most horse acting I've ever seen in a movie. <laughs> <laughs> Cleopatra is really, uh, yeah, the many moods of Cleopatra. Uh, so, Brian, they, they just, they go off to do whatever. Uh, Darby takes the opportunity to grab some jewels. He's doing the, like the greedy guy in the Indiana Jones sidekick kind of deal about trying to grab some jewels while the, uh, the doors to the place are starting to close. And, uh, finally he beats cheeks out of the place before the wall can slam shut. Uh, fortunately he drops all the jewels on his way out cause he's got hobo pockets. But, uh, <laughs> Uh, he makes it out, finds himself face to face with his uh, wayward demonic horse. And man, as a very energetic end to Act One. My grandfather Podge told me there were three things the little people were mad after dancing, whiskey, and hunting. Big Gara, he wasn't far wrong. Huh? Then I'll give you the fox chase. Ah, the fox chase. First, you'll hear the gathering of the huntsmen and the baying of the hounds. Grand. Away we go. One, two, three, four. Darby has escaped, and now he has himself a plan that he shared with Cleopatra, and he thinks that he's figured out a way to trap King Brian. King Brian shows up and is none too pleased that Darby left and embarrassed him in front of his own people. Darby seems like he doesn't understand why King Brian is so upset with him, because as he tells the king, he just came home to get his pipe. And, but he's never seen dancing so fine or piping so shocking sweet or touched a fiddle so fine nor did he ever dream he'd be sitting on diamonds uh, and that last one gets cleopatra's attention as we were saying a lot of these look takes from a horse uh, darby just uh, came to get his pipe and nothing else not even the po the poaching aka the irish moonshine that he found in the bog uh, it said, never drink anything you found in a bog. Because <laughs> right. it has a real smack to it, I think he said. Pond scum skimming, man. Yeah. <laughs> uh, King Brian likes the sound of the, having a, a sip of that libation, and he wants Darby to pour him some. And so Darby pours him a very large cup full. <laughs> tall, right, some tall pour. Yeah. Tall pour. King Brian downs it like water. It, it drinks cool and easy, so it does, as he says. There's just so many lines. I was just like writing this stuff down. It's like, oh, this is great. It's so good. Darby plays as if they're in a rush to get back, but uh, King Brian says they've got plenty of diversions there, and they should share a drink for friendship's sake. And as Darby begins to pour, and the king wants to hear the king wants to hear more some music, and so Darby asks him if he knows the wishing song, and that's a song that you have to make up as you go. 
to which King Brian does not, but he says that he can make up a thousand songs. So round after round, they sing and laugh with their silly rhymes, and the horse does a you know, Cleopatra does some more like Mr. Ed kind of impressions with the teeth and the lips and all that. Uh, and King Brian is really throwing it back. I mean, one right after <laughs> he can, another. Yeah, he can, there yeah. is like more for a family film, more just straight up drinking in this what? movie. I feel like that's another like Walt, like laughing so hard thing of like, yes. oh my, oh, he's drinking. A human-sized thing of whiskey. Ha! That's funny, because I put that leprechaun can really throw it back in my notes. That was my direct quote. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> throw it back. Like I just said tomorrow. drinking. It's for kids. Yeah, like a frat Those kids boy. are going to think this is hysterical. Yeah, he's basically got just like a tin wash tub full of yeah. bog yeah, it's, water. It's exactly, yeah. Bog water, poaching. Oh, yeah, and he doesn't even, he's you know, just pounding it so hard he doesn't notice that Darby's pouring his his cup back into the jug. And, Surprising uh, he would do that. Uh, you know, I feel like Darby would be like, ah, I can, I can handle right. it. Yeah, I can and drink him under the table. I can yeah. drink this guy at the table. Yeah. yeah, take a sip or two. I'm like, mm, that is pretty good. Um, and I don't think Darby's horse approves of his methods and we see it finding a, a comfortable spot and it just kind of goes and lays down and begins snoring. I was trying to figure out the horse's allegiance. I'm like, oh, so is the horse on Darby's side now? Who, who, who are who are you? <laughs> Whose side are you on Cleopatra? Right. Yeah. Well, the next morning after 81 verses of the song, Darby is tickled because he knows it's, it's now daytime, and the rooster crow. And when the rooster crows, King Brian can't work his charm, and he's managed to capture him. Well, King Brian is furious with Darby, but then Darby sets loose his cat Ginger <laughs> on the fairy king. And when the cat traps King Brian, he grants Darby three more wishes, but tries to get tricky again and tells him to wish as many as he'd like. And Darby lets the king know that he isn't falling for that trick again, and makes his first wish, which is King Brian will not fly back to. I'm going to try and pronounce this Nakanashiga, uh, and it should be at his beck and call for a fortnight at least until he makes the other two wishes. Again, King Brian is furious, but he agrees to the terms. Darby says he'll take good care of Brian while he's making up his mind and picks up the king and puts him in an old sack and just leaves the barn. Oh, it's not really it's like misery, the leprechaun edition. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's like, ha ha, the drunk old man is murderous because he's there's prolonged peril as he's like threatening him with cat murder. Uh, oh, delighted with himself, Darby hops out to the water pump at the well for a drink of water, and he notices Sheila leaving the cottage after visiting Katie. The Did we have the whole, has the whole ahead. cat scene happened? Did, yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. You got something to say about it? Well, I was hoping that was... You uh, got I something to say about it? <laughs> yeah, I got something to say about it, actually. Let's was, hear it. I, uh, I saw the cat, and I was really had my fingers crossed that it was the same cat. It was Jake from the Cat from Outer Space, but... Uh, oh, that would be an old cat. But the, yeah, oh. well, I th well I th when did the cat from outer space? It was seventy, like mid seventies. Okay, yeah. So, but it wasn't. It wasn't a no. cat from. I was hoping it was a cat from something else, but I couldn't find any. <laughs> I found a whole website for cat. It is the cinema. cat from something else. I mean, that's but, whoa, but whoa, something whoa. else that we've seen. Th that's what I want to talk about. Oh. We may see. 
You found a website about cats and cinema? Yes, there's a whole website <laughs> devoted to cats and cinema with their names. Oh. I think uh, we found our next podcast idea. Oh, my <laughs> gosh. Cats in cinema. <laughs> that sounds amazing. All right. So, yeah, anyway, uh, Darby and Sheila, they uh, they catch eyes and they just exchange glares as she walks off. And Darby begins wondering what she could be doing there. And back in the cottage, Katie is cooking over the fire as Michael greets her. And he greets her good morning. And as, she, as he comes down the stairs, and then he's, Michael's wondering where Darby is. And the two talk of Darby's desire to catch a leprechaun. But Michael goes, again, just a little bit too far and kind of insinuates that Darby's drinking is the reason for all the talk of leprechauns. But mm, Katie, she doesn't take to that too kindly. And she insists that he's not a drinking man. Lie. Uh, he's just lonely uh, ever since the, her mother died and he, he goes to the pub for company and Michael asks Katie if she ever gets lonely and she says there's enough going on in town to keep her busy and in fact there's a dance that night and invites him to go but huh. which uh, you know, Bond politely, uh, politely declines he's and, you know, it, pro mode man pro mode yeah, yeah. It, it it reminds me of one of my favorite Irish, Irish sayings: "A little fire that warms is better than a big fire that burns." So, yeah, think about that. Mm, that's true. Uh, Katie Moore staring off screen. By the way, I yeah. also point out that Janet Monroe won a Golden Globe for this. Get oh wow! What? She had a yeah. really big year here because she was working with 007 in this movie. Then next year, she's she's working with James MacArthur. Yeah, yeah, your boy, my boy, like my, my man crush. So I was, uh, <laughs> I was really, I was like, man, she really had a had a really nice two year Connery, stretch. Connery's no no slouch, man. Yeah, well, yeah, I mean, it's he's on a different <laughs> level though. It's like, I mean, yeah, he's yeah. headed for other things. He's headed for the Rock. Yes, <laughs> you know. that's right. The exactly. Rock. <laughs> Welcome to the Rock. Uh, well, Dar Darby <laughs> enters now, the dog. cottage. And Darby enters the cottage asking about why Sheila had been there and makes us and, and makes sure Katie is wearing uh, her holy medal because he thinks Sheila could be a witch. That, that cracked me up. Yeah. And Colin, he's like, got your holy medal. She's like, yeah. She gets real serious. Uh, Katie insists her father go to bed, but he can't because he's supposed to go to Glen Cove to pick up a bell for Father Murphy. Well, Darby and Michael talk about the work that needs to get done. And he tells Michael that if he does a good job, then he'll keep him on and Michael can work for him, much to Katie's surprise. And uh, Darby says their fortunes have turned and uh, he's thinking of buying the manor house for himself and sending her out into surroundings more in keeping with her charm and beauty. I thought that was nicely put. That's a nice way of saying I'm kicking you out. Um, <laughs> Katie, Katie gets her father to sit down and eat some breakfast and Darby tells Michael... <laughs> She should be the caretaker. Wait a second. Because this is one of my favorites. She said, now sit down and eat your stir about, which I'm just going to have to, you know, incorporate that. Eat your stir about. Come on. Which is like a bowl of like mush. <laughs> well, it's like oatmeal and milk it's, and something else. I don't know what else they're throwing. Potatoes. Like probably. Glue. Yeah. Potatoes. <laughs> Eat your stir about. Oh, I'm just going to make some stir about today. <laughs> I'm like up there with yeah. Slumgullion. Slumgullion you know? and stir. Oh, that's what I was thinking too. <laughs> Always eat your stir about. Get ready for school. <laughs> and so maybe get some stir about. Have a good day. We had stir about yesterday. 
You'll have stir about whenever I say. So don't eat it. Uh, so yeah, Katie gets her father to sit down, eat some breakfast, some stir about. And Darby tells Michael she should be the caretaker because she's got a tongue that would clip a hedge. Yes. Mm. Uh, that, was, that was a great line. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, a, f- a few hours later, Katie is walking the grounds, and here's Michael singing a song about his Irish girl. Oh, yeah. Here we go. Yeah. yeah. As he's cutting the grass around the pond. And she surprises him and says she's brought him his lunch. And the two flirt over how much food she's packed him, because she's packed Big quite time. a bit. Big time. Big time. And right when she begins to lecture him on not eating hot bread, which was a strange <laughs> turn in the conversation. Don't you know what happens when you eat hot bread? You don't eat hot bread. <laughs> I mean, yeah, right when that happens, Michael asks if Darby said anything to her before he left, trying to you know find out if Darby has told her the truth yet. Well, uh, apparently not. And then the two more the flirt a little bit more, and Katie heads back to the cottage. I'll say Sean Connery is basically an animated character in this scene because he's like doing like he's been working and he does like the the like patting himself on the brow with a a handkerchief and like wiping the back of his neck and he's like stretching and and uh, I was reminded of Gaston in this just physically it's like he's like animation reference for like working man right right (laughs) definitely. Later that afternoon, Darby arrives with the bell, and the whole town comes out to greet him. And, Everyone and, loves bell. <laughs> Nothing oh. like the music of a single bell. <laughs> they're, go, they're all going on about how grand the bell is, but I, had, I have to admit, I was expecting a much bigger bell, and I was kind of disappointed. Say, I was pretty little, disappointed by the bell, too. <laughs> I was very, little thing. I wrote, more like, who cares a lot? Am I right? <laughs> oh, Yeah. <laughs> I mean, uh, yeah, it's like uh, I just imagine that thing being like, bang, bang. yeah, bang. <laughs> <That's not laughs> bonk, good. Donk. Yeah. You don't really want to hear the music of the bell with this one yes. for uh, the, the rest of generations of your family until right. the heat death of the universe. We'll hear part bonk. of the, part of yeah. the saga. Yeah, it feels more like a curse now after you see the bell. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, Father Murphy thanks Darby, but as Darby walks off with the sack over his shoulder containing King Brian, Father Murphy notices something inside and moving, and it's moving, and he stops him wanting to know what's in the bag. Well, Darby doesn't want to tell him the truth, and he gives him some vague descriptions of what's inside, even at one point saying, I'm on the side of the angels against the powers of darkness, <laughs> which I, I, I say that when I go to church. Um, or the bar. <laughs> or the or bar. The pub. Yeah. Uh, Darby comes close to revealing what's inside, but Slide talks his way out of it and walks to be welcomed in the pub by his friends where they all share a pint of stout. Uh, well, careful not to make a wish out of a toast, the pub mates notice movement in the sack and Darby that Darby has with them, and Darby tells them that uh, he, has, who, he has King Brian inside and most believe him, while others, like Pony and his cronies, kind of laugh and see and just want to see what's inside, saying it's probably just a prize hen from the fair. And as they leave, they do a silly chicken impression that would have been perfect for like one of the Bluths to do uh, from Arrested <laughs> Development. Also <laughs> vaguely Biff Tannen. Yeah. Biff absolutely. Tannen gang was the vibe I was getting. <laughs> uh, well, now getting serious, Darby asks for a shot of the 20-year-old best whiskey that they have in the pub and, he, and hands it to the king inside the sack who drinks it all 
and then throws out the shot glass. Of course, none of this, nobody can see this. All they see is the glass disappearing down into the sack and it coming back up. And it just amazes uh, all the people in the pub. And Darby catches the glass and hands it over to the pub owner. And he gives this kind of sly wink and walks out of the pub with the sack over his shoulder. And the pub goers are just stunned. I and enjoyed they, the look takes he, he kept giving. Yeah. As, after he hands the, the whiskey to the to Brian. Yeah. Uh, the place is just stunned. And, uh, Great noise, and, too. And they Great take, spoli. They, they, take that, they take the glass and they put it up on a shelf as proof of what <laughs> oh, they've witnessed that, their day. <laughs> and if anyone ever doubts it, you can say that's the glass. Reminds yeah. me of something we would do uh, in middle school, Robert. Yeah, there it is. <laughs> Look at it. There yeah, it so is. I, I could have seen something. Something like that would have happened uh, in, a, in Boy Scouts. I think. Yeah. That's the that the, that a Skype ate that once. Not on that stick. <laughs> there it is. There's the stick. Yeah. Well, well, this brings Act Two to a close. Have you ever seen the seagulls the flying over heaven? All the crimson sails and go with it, the fishermen unfurled. Oh, the earth is filled with beauty, and it's gathered all together in the form and face and dainty grace of a pretty Irish girl. Oh, she is my dear, my darling one, her eyes so sparkling, full of fun. No other, no other can match the likes of her. She is my dear, my darling one, my smiling and beguiling one. I love the ground she walks upon, my darling Irish girl. Back at the O'Gill home, Katie is combing her bangs for a night on the town. Darby arrives to find that 007 was out looking for no good poachers. Darby takes off to Darby takes off to meet up with him with his leprechaun slung over his shoulder. Out of nowhere, Darby is tackled by 007, <laughs> who has mistaken him for a poacher, thinking his bag was a rabbit had a rabbit in it. Being that it was dark out, uh and sneak that sneaky old King Brian had his powers back and uh, was about to unleash it on Darby. 007 peeks into the bag and sees a rabbit. Darby takes a look and sees King Dar- uh, sees the king. This Brian's face, though, when Darby looks into the bag is so funny to me because it's shot from above. And he's just kind of like, wah, wah, face. Sorry. <laughs> Darby goes on about how they can change shape and says he wishes 007 could see him. To which Brian says, is happy to grant such a simple wish. However, Brian informs Darby that 007 sees him as a rabbit. Leprechauns are double crossers. I love that you're calling him 007. Just just want to point that out. (laughs) He does promise to visit 007 in his dreams. Or Michael. If you want me to continue his double, I, I got his double oh seven throughout the rest of the. Uh, yeah, go for it. Okay. If I can call uh, that one guy boner the whole time. <laughs> 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 We've done it with, uh, yeah, the, uh, what, uh, the Dean of, uh, Dean Warmer. Yeah, Dean, Dean Warmer. Warmer yeah. <laughs> At the party, Katie has, uh, has the men fighting over her pony twist Sean's arm in order to give Kate, Katie, a ride home. So what a jerk. Pony's just, yeah. It's worse. Uh, King, back in the 
with Darby. The king warns him that he doesn't make his wish. His second uh, in command might come looking for him and take Katie hostage, so he'll have to wish her free. Darby goes on about how poor Katie needs a man, and the king is all too happy to help under one condition. If he helps, he'll make uh, his final wish. Is this when uh, Darby calls Tony, uh, Tony, not Tony, Pony, calls Pony a uh, blatherskite under his breath? Yeah. Yeah. I was like, oh man, blatherskite shout out. Very excited about that. I was super excited. made note of that as well. The king stops by 007's bed and tries to convince him to marry Katie. In Katie's room, the king tells Katie to go after 007, but she's not interested in marriage right now. Smart girl. We just talk about the image of Sean Connery asleep talking to a leprechaun. <laughs> it is something that I wasn't expecting. Sleep, sleep yeah. talking to a leprechaun. <laughs> really don't expect it shush. going in. Shush. And King Brian, when he's talking to Katie, he basically, he's like, you know, you're a hoe. He's, he's like, uh, yeah, oh, Katie, you go around with every. Uh, he's just kind of being a little. Uh, Accusatory. He's going, he's a fine, strong lad with temperate ways. <laughs> he keeps saying that. <laughs> it's like not a great self speech. So temperate. Very temperate. I said Walt Disney World should have hotel rooms where King Brian appears on your bed post when you go to sleep. Yeah, it's a good idea. Great. There you go. Uh-huh. Or when you go to the bathroom in the middle of the night, he just pops up. <laughs> what are you doing over there? Don't forget to flush. <laughs> Hello. Well, you better wash your hands. <laughs> if, you, if you don't wash your hands, I put the come hither on you. <laughs> then you look in the mirror and the horse appears and like kicks, tries to kick you. <laughs> and it's like this really oh, sad You selected the Darby O'Gill suite. <laughs> <laughs> what does it come with? Oh, you just have to see. I didn't get very good sleep, but the effects were incredible. <laughs> There's like a Stradivarius in the cabinet that you keep hearing all night playing. Oh, that's great. All right. So Katie's not interested in marriage because she doesn't want a uh, conniving, shiftless leprechaun to tell her how to live her life, especially her her love life. It's probably good advice. (laughs) King says, once you hit 30, all bets are off. You've got to go strike while the iron's hot. So 007 takes Katie up to the hills of the San Fernando Valley after mass. Uh, they start uh, frolicking through some very nice map paintings before Pony grabs her and starts trying to rough up 007. Big mistake. Katie informs Pony that if he lays a finger on 007, she'll never speak to him again. On the mm. way back through another map painting, 007 uh, says he, uh, he doesn't need her sticking up for him. He asks if she's interested in him, and she's playing the old hard-to-get card. And 007 ain't got time for games. And leaves, much to her chagrin, and Darby and the king, who are looking on through yonder window. You know, it reminds me of another Irish saying, never scald your lips with another man's porridge. And, um, just, <laughs> or stir about. Yeah. Or stir about. Or stir about. Yeah. Or stir about. Another man's yeah. stir about. I mean, insert whatever there, poaching, whatever. Katie, you're a bit of a stirabout. <laughs> so as 007 walks off, Katie wisely chases after him and lays one on him. And she, she really won't, goes for it, too. And she won't be the last to lay one on 007, I might add. 
with Katie and 007 on the road to marriage town now. The king wants uh, that wish, but Darby is too wrapped up in the sound of the church bells to be bothered mm. with wishing, but promises Clank. to do it tomorrow. <laughs> Clank. <laughs> Clank. <laughs> I think and him a Dublin man. <laughs> He wouldn't give you a bong at all. Not even close to a bong. It's so tiny. Clank, for sure. The next day, Pony drops off the mail at O'Toole's. A <laughs> postcard for 007 from his lordship about Darby's future. Sheila manipulates O'Toole into letting her see the postcard from his lordship. Knowing her son Pony is no fan of 007, she gets him mixed up. And her scheming too. She's a mixer. She's a keen mixer. Keen mixer. Back home, 007 comes to see Katie packing after seeing the card. 007 tries to explain (laughs) that her father promised him not to tell her when he promises (laughs) his love for her and wants her to stay. She ain't having it because you don't double cross an O'Gill. So, Back at the pub, Darby is about to take his wish. Katie storms in mad that her father is chasing leprechauns and making a fool of himself. She knocks the bag over and outruns King as a rabbit. And um, I thought he didn't have powers in the daylight, but I guess. Yeah, I was, I was wondering that a little, too. A little bit of a plot hole there. Yeah. Yep. Katie runs off to get the horse and move to the McCarthy house after her father was humiliated because 007 had taken his job. She just wants to get away. She whacks 007 over the head with a, uh, with a bridle and runs off. You know, I've got to say like, this is probably the most interesting part of the movie to me when like Michael and, and Katie start arguing and like have those heated, you know, have that heated argument. I was like, wow, now it feels very, you know, it has. It's not as silly anymore. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I wonder why they didn't weave that too. in like earlier, like to this plot line a little bit more earlier. Mm-hmm. It feels like it comes in so late. Yeah, I feel like with this movie, uh, the most interesting stuff happens like right at the very end. I'm like, oh, we could have totally had all this er- like earlier. We're just yeah. sitting with Darby in the pub forever, you know, for so yeah. long. It's like, uh, uh I guess they were just trying to get as much mileage as they could out of the whole, haha, there's leprechauns and, you know, the, the frolicking and, you know, the fairy. And, and all there's that like kind of a, like a crazy old man vibe that they were riding super hard of like, oh, is this guy crazy or what? Actually, yeah. he's not. He's very not. <laughs> yeah. I agree. After getting whacked over the head by Katie, 007 walks out and gets hit again by Pony, who's giving off a serious Ben Affleck vibe now, in my opinion. (laughs) (laughs) Like uh, dazed and confused Ben Affleck? Yeah. Yeah, (laughs) He drags him to the doorstep of his lordship and pours whiskey on him in hopes that his lordship will find him and think he's a drunk on the job. Back home, Darby finds the postcard and realizes that Katie knows about his job. Darby sees 007 in a stupor, but realizes that it was all a ruse. Up on the mountain, a banshee comes after Katie, because that's a problem in Ireland, evidently, (laughs) along with leprechauns. And the whole banshee thing, that, yeah, 
Darby yeah. finds Katie pa- passed out as a banshee comes for Katie. Darby throws a lantern at the banshee, which scares Holy it off, I guess. Holy so, man. I'll never yeah. forget the banshee from when I was a kid. But yeah. let me say, the Banshee drop is a left, a total left turn. We could have used a little Banshee backstory before. Yes. Because yes. Darby's like, oh, it's the, because he and Michael hear the Banshee. They're like, oh, man, it's the Banshee, just like that night that her mom died. Oh, and <laughs> I was like, oh, you could have mentioned that before. They could have set this up in the first act. The Banshee could have scared him into the, in, into the well. Mm-hmm. There you go. I mean, why? Yeah, why didn't the banshee just pop up? And go ah! And you know, he, he or trips spook and falls the horse, the, well. and the horse spooks the in the whole, well or something. Yeah, yeah. So there you go. I mean, that's, well, they also mentioned in this going when uh, she's wandering off after the horse, uh, which again, uh, an enclosure would be nice for your horse. But yeah, uh, Darby's like, oh no, that horse is totally a puka, which is a thing that I only know from the movie Harvey, because <laughs> Harvey was a puka in the movie Harvey. Uh, but they don't explain what that is or what that means or why it's bad. And it's just like, I'll, it's like everybody is supposed to know what that is. And I don't. And uh, yeah, that could have been explained earlier. The Banshee could have totally been foreshadowed earlier. So you know why it's a scary thing. But they're like, no, no, no. <laughs> oh, this is like when her mom died. Okay. And and the visual effect of the Banshee, <laughs> I mean, it's another psychedelic freak out. Oh, totally. totally, totally, man. We're gonna watch O'Gill tonight, man. Get a, you wanna oh, get that scared? Really we're get we're gonna put on Chieftains. <laughs> <laughs> Finish up your tea, man. We gotta go watch O'Gill. Jefferson Airplane and the Chieftains <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> in the White Room. <laughs> <laughs> Darby finds Katie past. Okay, I already saw that. Okay, um, back home, Katie's in a coma for some reason, and the priest <laughs> who's turned into a doctor works on Katie, but it Banshee doesn't look coma. good. But I was just like, yeah, <laughs> be sure to move the spinal injury person as much as possible because she like takes a fall on the mountain. Well, and there's more mur- murder horse too. Uh, more Disney movies should have had murder horse. Uh, and you should never go to Weathertop with a murder horse because it is no. a dangerous thing. But there's uh, sound. She advice. falls. They're they're like moving around. It's like come on. But the first time the banshee comes down to him, it's kind of doing. First, the effect is amazing. It's really cool effect. But the banshee is doing like its pat kind of sexy hand motions. <laughs> it's kind of it's it like, like are they trying to like daisy a, duck like a, the banshee? Like a big comb or something in its right hand. I couldn't tell what it had, but I thought it had like a, like a, like a, you know, a. It's just kind of a, like, uh, like stroking itself or something with its hands. Yeah, weird. It's like, eh, uh, don't Daisy Duck a Banshee. Come on. Feel <laughs> 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 yeah, the Banshee on Weathertop. Yes, sir. Outside we'll Dark Murder Horse. <laughs> and the Murder Horse. Murder Horse uh, is a great name for the, the next Disney Plus series, though. Murder be, Horse. Yeah. There's Calf Matter Space could be and the, uh, Murder Horse. The Bell sequel, you know. Oh. The grandson still enjoying the music of the bells, but the Murder Horse lingers on Weathertop. <laughs> <laughs> Larry O'Gill and the Murder Horse. <laughs> Larry. <laughs> he's like a, yeah, he's got a, like a, a business career. Yeah. It's like I've got to go back to the small town. <laughs> <Play> <laughs> <Barbaro>. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, we're rededicating. They're rededicating the bell tower, <laughs> yeah. and I've got to go back. <laughs> like a, a d- evil developers trying to tear down the bell tower, and they're t- they're having a festival. <laughs> trying to Shooter save it. McGavin, uh, whoever yeah. that guy is. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, perfect. <laughs> Outside, Darby hears the banshee screaming again, and opens the door to a very very disturbing banshee waiting oh yeah like right man. up in your face this is yeah, like cheap really, 3d tricks yeah <laughs> totally. darby chases the banshee around the yard and then the banshee <gasps> summons <laughs> why is the banshee afraid of a stick yes <laughs> you're a freaking banshee banshee's got like skin problems yeah i'd say so the banshee summons the death coach Oh, Darby nice. begs the king, oh, uh, be- begs for King for Brian to help him. He appears and grants him his third wish to swap places with Katie and let the death coach take him instead. The coach arrives and a headless <laughs> specter instructs him to enter the coach. But he says, get in, which get reminds in. me of <laughs> Spaceship Earth, yeah. the original version, which Michael always claimed said, get in, get in. <laughs> Get in, get in. <laughs> Look, so nice. That's exactly what I thought of. I'm so glad you said that. Also, I mean, I feel like the haunted mansion lives halfway between uh, this death coach and the portrait of, I guess, Blackbeard's wife or whoever. And yes, and like Blackbeard's ghost. Yeah, yeah. yes. It's, it's, it lives between those aesthetics. Yep. Nice headless horse cameo. But yeah, yeah. the Gatan killed me. It's good stuff. <laughs> but this is all so much more interesting at this point. Like you said, so oh, yeah. Yeah. part of this movie is just like, whoa. Yeah, this all of this is like riveting. Yeah. The death coach coming down is so cool looking. It was just like, yeah, amazing. He leaves into the sky and the king arrives to join him in the coach. King says he wishes he could join him. On his journey to the other side, Darby says he wishes he could too. And suddenly Brian starts cackling. Since Darby wished his fourth wish, he loses his wishes and is cast out of the coach. And killed. (laughs) just like ejector seat him from the coach. And like, aren't you flying through the sky or something? But no, he just lands in the earth. I like this loophole. I love this. You set up the rules early on. Yeah, at the beginning of the movie, and then it's the payoff. It's so good. Mm. Back home, 007 is there as Katie is pulling through, and all is forgiven. At the <laughs> no, pub, no, no. she's not just pulling through. First, I love that she has a fever from her spinal injury. I don't know how that happens, <laughs> but uh, they come out and say she's fine and saucy like a baby woken from sleep. Saucy. Mm. <laughs> mm. <laughs> Back at the pub, Darby is bragging about seeing the coach of death and living to tell about it. Pony says he was in the, his lordship's coach and they found him rooting around in the mud, <laughs> overcome with grief. Pony says he's leaving and he's had enough of these stupid stories and legends. In comes 007 saying he spoke with King Brian, the leprechaun, and he told him if he saw Pony to punch him in the face, a rumble breaks out with him and Pony before 
were treated to several minutes of facial expressions over live action as 007 whips pony to, uh, has to be expected. It's a Which fight got me too perilous the, to show. Yeah, they couldn't <laughs> because the, uh, the action director wasn't there that day. So they had to, <laughs> had to make do. As they all leave, Katie and 007 singing My Darling Irish Girl, and they ride off into another matte painting and roll credits. Well, that didn't take long. Now I can get back to work. I even feel like working myself. I do indeed. Aye. How do you feel about bringing in the rest of the turf? Well, lad, you took the words right out of me mouth. Come along, Cleopatra, come on now. Oh, she's my dear, my darling one Her eyes so sparkling, full of fun No other, no other can match the likes of her Oh, here's my dear, my darling one His eyes so sparkling, full of fun No other, no other can match the likes of her Here's my dear, my darling one My smiling and beguiling one I love the ground she walks upon My darling Irish girl Yeah, so I picked this movie strictly on the special effects. That's that's what I, I, I went for because I had heard an interview with Randall Kleiser and mentioning that that this is his favorite movie for special effects, and then uh, I'd heard Spielberg also had uh, liked it, and um, so I was like, well, let's. That's it. It always, it always comes back to Flight of the Navigator, really. Yeah, it's well, it's one of our first great movies we watched. Yeah. Well, I think it's time for us to rate this film. This should be interesting. I have no idea what to expect. Um, but I do expect Robert to have a wonderful rubric for us tonight. Robert, what is that? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't pick anything out of this that really stuck out as a bowls of stirabout. Okay, let's do plot and writing. I'll go to Michael first. How many bowls of stirabout do you give <laughs> this movie? Um, oh, when you say it like that. Oh, that's hard. Okay, my thing, and we've touched on this a bunch already, so I won't go too much into it, but like all the interesting stuff is at the end. Like if all that stuff had been stretched throughout the whole movie, I, and I like I like the movie. Uh, it's sort of sort of genteel and casual throughout, but then it it gets really interesting at the end. Um, you know, there's too much like again stuff that probably tickled them, like Darby and the print and the king, like in the shed drinking. That goes on a <laughs> long time, and you know they thought it was hilarious, but it just doesn't quite hold up. So, I, I am going to give it, but it's hard because, like, the writing is good. Like, there, we've quoted so many lines of this stuff. I'm going to give it a three, but a very high three. Mm. Okay. Yeah, we'll go next to Robert. Um, I agree with Michael on most of that, but I do think... It just, yeah, it wasn't tight and it, it really lost me in the first act and, and probably for most of the second act too. And I feel like it was just uh, going to have to be a two for that. So 
Yeah, I agree with you there. And I agree with Michael where uh, I think there are some really good bits of dialogue and all that, but they lean way too. It's like if we did Beauty and the Beast and it was like two thirds of it was crazy old Maurice. It's like, what are we doing? (laughs) Like this guy, is he crazy? Is he drunk or is he on the level? Let's dive in some more. Stay tuned. It's like, I don't care anymore. Let's move this along. But he's drunk. It's funny. Kids love the drunks. And I think, you know, maybe, maybe people did like it more back then. You know, maybe it's like a sign of the times thing. Usually, I I don't know. But um, I'm going to, I'm going to ding it for that because it seems pretty rough in that regard. And we will uh, hop over to Andy. So you gave it a two, Jeff? too yeah i think um the the story itself i think is fine i think it's kind of neat the you know he's trying to trap the king of the leprechauns and all that stuff and it you know how no one ever sees it and it's always like oh this is this one guy's you know uh struggle yeah struggle trying to get this this king leprechaun so all of that i thought was fine and then then throw in there the fact that he's about to be kicked out of his job and He's got, you know, here's the new young buck coming in. I thought all that was fine, but you're right. And and the dialogue, but you're right. It just does not come together as far as in, in the movie itself. So I'm going to go with the two. All right, we'll move on to casting and acting. I'll stay with you, Andy. How many bowls of stir about do you give the casting and acting? <laughs> I thought I thought everyone was fantastic in their role, uh, except for Pony. I didn't like Pony. I thought he was, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe it was the acting on that. But I... I mean, it was so Irish, and I there was times where I could not tell if they were reciting from a script or if they were just kind of ad libbing as they were going. <laughs> right, <laughs> um, but it 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 was very. I thought everyone did a good job. Um, there were you know there were some stiff parts, but uh, so I'm going to go with a four. All right, and we will jump to Robert. Um, yeah, it wasn't. I, yeah, I don't think I'd go to a four. I, I like Darby. I, th- I thought he was funny, and I liked the the um, the king. I thought he played well. Um, Connery's doing what he can with it, but I think it's going to be a three for me. You mean 007? 007, <laughs> pardon me. Three? Yes. All and right. I, and Andy, you said two for the plot and writing? Two for plot and writing, four for casting and acting. Let me ask you this, though. What would they? What could they have done better, the actors or right. the casting? Yeah, I mean, Robert. how much more Irish could you get? Robert. The answer is yeah. none more Irish. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, I think uh, Katie could not uh, could have maybe worked some different choices in with her uh, her looking. She won a Golden Globe, man. <laughs> what do you want? Maybe it was, was maybe impressed. that was her direction. Maybe that's what she was supposed to be doing. I don't know. <laughs> she was trying out for the miracle worker. I mean, nobody uh, else has jumped out at me as being entertaining. I mean, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, what you got, Michael? I mean, I'll give it a very strong four. Uh, I agree with everything Andy said. I mean, ev- everybody felt totally in their roles. I'm tempted to give it a five, but I'll give it a four. But and uh, Brian was really good being like, I really like how they played the sort of frenemy aspect of mm-hmm. like half the time they hate each other, but then he's like, nah, you're an all right guy. I'll bail you out. Uh, yeah. I think everybody did great. I agree with that. I'll give it a four strong four. Um, 
I thought, I thought, cheers for that. Uh, so we'll go to production value. I will start, I really want to give it a five, but I'm going to just knock it down one to a four. But I mean, really, uh, I kind of want to give it a five. I'm going to give it a four. Strong four, everything we've said. The music's good. Uh, the special effects are great. Um, yeah, it's just uh, not elite in my mind but we will see if uh, somebody else disagrees uh robert what do you give it i i want to give it a five but there's just a few sections where i feel like peter kind of fell asleep at the switch a little bit on um and maybe it was more that it didn't have the technology to make the banshee look better mm-hmm. um especially when he was chasing him around the uh, or she around the courtyard <laughs> and it's just sort of like it's clearly on a platform and they're just moving the sell around i mean it's uh, but um yeah i think it's gonna be a four for me but the uh i mean i, I think if we had rated it in 1959 we would have right uh, it would have been a hard five yes but, uh, it's kind of hard i mean because you i'm trying not to you know it's yeah it's tough because what they were doing was so groundbreaking though so uh, uh, i'm gonna stay with a four though it's just hard to rate it after 20,000 leagues under the sea. I feel yeah, like that's, that's that's giving me a curve. But we'll go to Michael. What do you, what do you give it? I, I'm having the same problem as you guys. Like when I was watching, I was thinking about this. Like I think maybe I, was, I, I thought, oh, I'd give it a five if they had shot on location. But then right, they do right. such a great job with them. Yeah. Like the sets and stuff that it like you could watch it and feel like they did shoot it on location. It's so good. So well done. So, oh man, the effects are so good. Uh, I'll, I'll, you know, I'll take one for the team. I'll be the one that gives it a five. All right, because I'll, I'll be playing like, like Robert said. If this was like 1959, it would be a five for sure. Yeah. So I'll go with that. And those few, I mean, those effects, the force perspective stuff is just, and the th- all the stuff in the throne room is just wild to this yeah. day. I mean, it's Darby so- falling down the well was another bad effect. Yes, that was not good. Andy, you guys have just nailed this particular category, but uh, I get, I, I'm going to go with a four as well. Um, I, I think the, uh, the horse effect, uh, vi- the visual effect, the banshee visual effect, and then the, the little jumping that they do, it just kind of looks silly. Uh, I, I, I don't know if, I don't know. It just, doesn't do anything for me. So, uh, but I think everything else is very well done. So yeah, four. We didn't mention the giant like paper mache choking hand that they had on, the, on like a boom. That yeah. was amazing. Yes. Yeah. They're talking about like that in, in, in the documentary about the giant shoes they had to make. Yeah. And stuff. And also like the, the giant cat paw. The giant cat paw. Yeah. Yes, the cat yes. was going after Brian. That was good. And, and the movement in the sack. That you know, it looks yeah. like if there's something in there. I mean, all that stuff was really well done. And that the was like Roger right. Rabbit, like right. Roger Rabbit vibes from that. Yep. All right. Well, we got a one more in entertainment value. I'll hand it to Robert. How many bowls of stir about you going to give this movie? This is weird because I, I watched this movie to, to, to kind of map out the acts for everybody. And I only I stopped when I got to act three. And I was like, and I was kind of at that point, I was kind of bored. With it, and I was like, "Oh, gee, when's this going to be over?" Then I had to go back and I watched it again, Act One and Two, to, to, to get my notes in. 
and uh, and then got to three. Actually, I'd be back up. I actually, I, I went back and I did three and did my notes. And then I went back and watched act one and two again <laughs> to get more notes. So I, I kind of watched it out of sequence. Uh, and I was far more entertained after doing it that way. But that was just by accident. Um, but uh, it was probably, I'm going to say, uh, I'd probably watch it again. So I'll give it a three for that. Yeah, I'll go there with you. I'll say a three. I think uh, there are things about it that I really like. And like I said, I, I really like this time period for Disney films. And even if they're slow, I'll enjoy them because mm-hmm. uh, there's like good special effects and good score and usually good acting. Uh, so even the writing doesn't have to be great. Um, that said, uh, you know, I'd probably rather watch like Third Man on the Mountain again than this. There's there's a few movies I'd rather watch than this. So I'll, I'll put it in the middle of the pack. And we will go over to Michael. I'll give it a strong three. I went back and forth on this one. I, I mean, it's it ends, it throws you off because it ends so strong. And I was like, yeah. I could watch that third act like anytime. I'd be like, this is really entertaining. I'll put this on and watch this. Um, but there's there's just kind of a lot of doodling around you have to get, do to get to it. But uh, I'll go a, a high three, but a three nonetheless. All right, and we'll let Andy have the final word on this. What you say? I feel like if I gave it a three, it would throw off the balance. It would it make this movie better than it really is. <laughs> uh, so I'm going to go with a two. I think as as an entertaining as the last uh, act is, um, especially the last few like minutes in the film. Uh, I think the rest of it is just not, it's not a good movie. Uh, I mean, yes, it's the production of it is very well done. The casting is done as well done. But as far as just sitting in and enjoying it as uh, if you didn't know anything about it, if you weren't paying attention to any of those kinds of things, I don't think it holds up as well. And so for that reason, I'm going to give it a two. All right. Well, let's punch this one into our computer that wore tennis shoes. Robert, what did Darby O'Gill and the little people get on our scale? So the computer took a long, hard chew on that one, and it gave us a score of 3.25. Right Putting in the it middle. 3.25. Number 17 out of all the movies we've ranked. How just, did, just, a, mean, just below Splash. And just above oh, Freaky no. Friday Revisited. But how did hmm. that beat the black hole? That's a good question. That's a good question. Murder horse beats murder robot, I guess. <laughs> I guess so. Wait, did it? Beat I would the black never have guessed. Where's black hole? Black hole is a 2.88. Oh, yeah. Hmm. We, had, had some fi- we had some high scores in there, a lot higher than I thought it would yeah. be. Journey of so Freaky Friday, so full of black hole. Not everybody, you know, black hole lost a lot had, of money for them. Had, we had straight twos on plot and writing on and t- all That'll twos and a three mm. on acting. That's that'll do it. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, dragged it down be. and then. Wow. Yeah, that's a problem. Well, so it uh, didn't fare super great. Well, what did Leonard Malton have to say about this movie, Michael? Well, I'll tell you, Leonard Malton loves this movie <laughs> so much. Leonard Malton says, and I quote, 
Darby O'Gill is not only one of Disney's best films, hey. but is certainly one of the best fantasies ever put on film. Wow. <laughs> Leonard. Leonard. He says, Lawrence Watkins' script is little short of brilliant, deriving humor, horror, romance, and humanity from the basic situations, giving voice to breezy Irish wit, but also leaving room for sentimentality. Horror. Brava. Brava. It, it had horror? <laughs> oh, it had horror. I mean, it was, until it young me disturbed yeah, me. Yes. For sure. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I guess so. Uh, yeah, so Leonard Malton is a big, he's a Darby stan. He's in the boat. A Gillow stan. Um, he's in the well for Darby. Uh, so anything else to say before we close the chapter on this one, boys? I'm just going down to the pint for a wee dram, I think. Yeah, yeah. All right, let me ask you a question. If they right. remade this, who would you have as Darby O'Gill? Bono. Bono. Too bad it's got to be Bono. It has to be Bono. <laughs> Alec Baldwin. Alec Baldwin. Well, that might work. Yeah. <laughs> he. What about that guy who was like the uh, the other, like the math professor in uh, Goodwill Hunting? God, what? He's been in so many other things. Sean, is it Sean Bean? Is that the, yeah. That, no. Boromir? No. I'm, I'm not saying that that's who you're talking about. I'm thinking the. Sean Bean. Sean he's, 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 he's Irish. He could play. He uh, is Irish. Sean Miller. I'm going to look, I'm gonna have to look this up. Hold on. See if anybody knows who this person the is. Bono. <laughs> and then make it the edge, uh, King Brian. King Brian. Yeah. <laughs> the edge is King Brian. <laughs> Except he plays a guitar instead of the uh, yeah. Stradivarius. It's a delay, 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 delay. <laughs> delay, delay, delay. Dotted eight, dotted eight. What about uh, B- Billy that. Connolly? Oh, yes. man. <laughs> yes. He'd, he would crush it. <laughs> He'd be a great He would Brian. be fantastic. Here he is. Uh, Stellan Skarsgård. Skarsgård. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, he could be good. They've already got the MCU connection with him. So, uh, yeah. yeah. That's right. That's right. Uh, all right. I mean, maybe, maybe if Billy Connolly is uh darby then skarsgård could be the king of the leprechauns oh that'd be great or yeah. vice versa i don't know yeah i don't know bono could be a good king of the leprechauns uh, <laughs> he's got some moves he can do yeah he's got the he's got the moves he's he's pretty short he's impish sometimes yeah so just uh, him sitting on his throne with his like sunglasses on his like a leather jacket. Sunglasses and <laughs> Or to have the edge behind him, yeah, just going. Could be a, a, a musical, music written by you too. Yeah, yeah. That's what this is. We good. Speaking of which, I know how Michael loves the ad campaign for Sing Two, uh, and I, 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 I took the kids to go see Sing Two, and so I, I didn't know, I didn't know that Bono was in Sing Two. Uh, and so there is like, ready for Darby O'Gill. Yeah, there are like three or four U2 songs in that movie. So, yeah. Hmm. Yeah. I saw a lot of people that are like, oh, I'll sing too with with Bono. Because <laughs> the kids, the kids, they love the Bono. They love the Bono. <laughs> My kids do. So, that's, but they're and outliers, I will say. Normal, yeah. <laughs> they also watch Patton. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> Bridge Too Far is the next Bono one. Bono is Patton. <laughs> <laughs> I read your book. Uh, <laughs> book. Bloody book. Yeah, I read um, your bloody book. <laughs> okay. 
Well, I mean, remake is now. Now it's got to happen. <laughs> yeah, sounds good. I really love the idea of this sequel with the guy, you know, coming Larry. to the rededication Definitely. of the bell tower with the real estate mogul trying to take it over. Yeah. It's like a Hallmark Disney Plus co-production. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> Hallmark presents a Disney Plus production. Larry O'Gill. Christmas in Gill's Hollow. Larry O'Gill and the Demon Horse. <laughs> and the Demon Horses. He's like got a kid that he can't pay enough attention to because his career is too demanding. Well, of course, that's, <laughs> and that's they're the coming old from New York yeah. City. You know, they're like Manhattanites. And he's like, yeah. oh, and the kids are like, oh, there's no Wi-Fi in this village. Yeah. He's <laughs> tearing down the old bell tower in your village. So what? He's got the, I got he's business got to do device. in New York. Yeah, <laughs> yeah he's got his device. You've got to fly yeah. back and save it. Oh, no way. <laughs> Get no oh. coverage here. And like Colin Farrell, that that got to be, put down be. the oh, video dude. game and pay attention to me. I'm trying to bond with you right now. Colin Farrell as the guy and Liam Neeson perfect. as King Brian. There we go. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> you big big <laughs> leprechaun right there. Do some yeah. serious force. Yeah. That's what make it so much all clean that work for this man. <laughs> music by YouTube. Away. <laughs> music by YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> If 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 Bonnie gets fired as King Brian, he could be the death coach guy, you know, at least. <laughs> Where the streets have no name, the coach just takes off. <laughs> I just wish Dolores roll credits. Yeah. I wanna run. <laughs> Standing in the station. <laughs> okay, well. Winter's not coming. Uh, the winter months are, are are settling in a little bit, but spring is on the horizon. We're putting together season four, and a few requests have already made the cut, but there's still time. Robert's in the lab. He's like Ned Brainerd over there with a spreadsheet. So let us know what you want to hear. Same place as always. While you go look for that email address and or social media link, it's info at medfieldfilm.com or at medfieldfilm on the socials. Uh, Robert, what do we have in store for the listeners next month? So it's that time of the season when we really start laying the body blows on a certain society member who shall remain nameless. So next month, we are going to dip into a sci-fi classic, a true sci-fi classic, a tale of space adventure and time travel. With the unidentified flying oddball. This is one I haven't seen since I was maybe four or five years old, maybe six. Um, We had it recorded somewhere on a Disney Channel VHS tape we had. And uh, I've got high hopes that this one, and I don't want to jinx it, but this one may challenge Gus. Uh, I recently (laughs) went back and watched the trailer for this one. And uh, whoo. So it, it. it, I'm, I'm 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 hopeful. You got high hopes. I have back high hopes to the, one in a long time to the lost uh, thing of just trying to the or the, like the mystery science theater thing where you're just trying to torture somebody, you know, with your. <laughs> this is definitely mystery science theater uh, territory, and I really I, I picked it originally because I thought, okay, that was I remember that being a fun movie as a kid, and then I went back and saw the trailer. I went, holy smokes! Maybe that's why I haven't watched it since I was six. So you got, I gotta say, I don't, I don't know if I've ever seen this movie. Maybe I'll be proven wrong when I watch it, but 
This might be the first one that I have legit never seen ever. I don't remember seeing it. Well, I remember as because it had two names. It had uh, yeah, the Spaceman, Spaceman and King, and King Arthur's Court. Arthur's Court. Oh, they, yeah. And then they, and I, and then they re, renamed it somewhere along the lines. To I take it back. Name. I think I have seen this. I one. know we had it like recorded off Disney Channel. Yeah, we had this on a VHS, yeah. Maybe I'll watch it at your house. It, it could though. have been wa- sitting at your at your you know, little tyke's table, eating grilled cheese. <laughs> could, have, could have been watching. Which that thing's still around? That table. Oh man, yeah. it's still going, man. Yeah. Wow. Still in use daily. Blew, blew my mind when I saw that tweet the other day. It's just not changing, man. It's just going. That's Keep. like one of the earliest earliest memories that like I committed to like deep memory was that table for some <laughs> stupid reason. <laughs> That's a great design, man. I got to commit this to my hard drive. Timeless, timeless design <laughs> and eternal material. The three of it us really, sitting there. It, like, yeah. yeah. Watching I mean, unidentified flying oddball. <laughs> it makes me think of uh, Apple Dumpling Gang yeah. for some reason, yeah. which we'll get around to someday. So yeah. Andy has this on uh, Blu-ray, the Criterion Collection. <laughs> yeah, and I've just been sitting here thinking about it, and like, how am I going to get out of this one? And I don't think I can. But I'll. It, it, it reminded me of my final Irish saying for the for this podcast: "You'll never plow a field by turning it over in your mind." So I guess I'm going to have to watch this one. I like that. Kinda, That's a good one. Makes you think. Let me tell you about graphic designers. Nothing says I'm a millionaire like a nice graphic design. You put a nice graphic design on a t-shirt, that says, I'm the man. And people are going to say, who is that? I'm telling you, you got to go get yourself a graphic designer. Now, put them on your business card and hand them out. And people are going to say, I wonder where that guy keeps his jumbo jet. You like making the YouTube videos? Get yourself a graphic designer and watch those views go up. But you're asking, Andy, look at you. You're the man. You probably got jumbo jets. You must have a top-notch graphic designer working for you behind the scenes. You're daggum right I do. I got Todd Naprick. Listen, don't be a schmuck. Everyone needs a graphic design. Before I met Todd, I was just some guy trying to get through college and Robert introduced me to Todd Naprick, and hey, look at me now. I got a wife, I got all these kids, and a pickup truck in the driveway. Coincidence? Well, probably. But but listen, y- you got to get Todd Naprick working for you. And, and so you're asking, Andy, where did you find Todd? I just told you Robert introduced me to him in college, but you can also find him at BidenGraphics.com. That's B-Y-D-A-N-D Graphics.com or on Upworks, <laughs> whatever that is. But, you know, don't be a (laughs) schmuck. Get yourself a graphic designer. Get Todd. He'll make you look good like me. Case closed, really. If you all aren't calling Todd, what are you doing? Enough said. Just look him up on Upwork, you know? Everybody knows Upwork. Anyway, we'll be back soon. Uh, In the meantime, for all of us here at the Medfield College Film Society, all of you... Please take care. We'll see you next month with Unidentified Flying Oddballs. Hello. Proud
Loyally 